Mel Yummy Mummy Geriatric Mum? How the f*** did that happen? Hi, I'm Sally Wallace and welcome to my podcast, Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Why the name? Well, it's a label that I've been slapped with recently, so I've decided to embrace it. But don't worry, it's not all sore nips and stretch marks from here onwards. As a former radio presenter, public speaker, and someone who's a huge advocate of keeping banter alive, each week I'll be sharing life observations with a twist, random questions, subject matters that'll blow your mind, like, do we really eat spiders in our sleep? Am I the only woman who walks around with crystals in her bra? And... Why is it that my husband's clothes and socks are so much more comfortable than my own? All gripping stuff. Find me on Instagram and Facebook at Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. Something has brought you here today, and I think it's because we're on the same vibration station. Thank you so much for having a listen. I really hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. My name is Sally Wallace and this is part three of my journey to motherhood. So if you've been listening to part one and obviously part two, this is the third instalment. I decided to split them up because it would just be a lot easier and easier on me to be honest with you, because it's a hell of a lot of information to relay. But at the same time, it is quite an emotional roller coaster to have to go through it again. But I really do want to share it because I do believe that there are so many women that are going through these struggles. And don't get me wrong, everybody's journey is completely different. But sometimes it's just nice to hear someone else's story because then it doesn't make you feel so lonely. And I completely get that. So if you have listened to part two, it doesn't matter if you've not listened to part two or not. I'm not one of those people that goes, oh, you have to go back. Yeah, you listen to it when you're ready. Listen to it when you're ready. If you've fallen on this podcast today, then you're meant to listen to this podcast today. Okay, that's how I see it. So at this point, I've um, we, Scott and I have gone through that. Scott's my husband. So we've gone through all the testing, which is brutal. In fact, I just posted a throwback Thursday in fact, about a week or so ago of me in a, 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 I was about to say dressing gown that I was it was in a hospital gown when I was about to go for my hysteroscopy, which is possibly one of the most brutal um, uh, procedures that you could ever have as a woman when they literally stick a catheter up into your fallopian tubes and poke you around and then they put like a balloon into your womb and blow it up. Yeah, I don't really need to say any more than that. There actually is a petition that you can sign as well. I think I've mentioned that one before. Anyway, I also mentioned on the last podcast about how the fact that we'd sort of discovered that Scott had zero sperm. So this is where I think we just need to stop beating ourselves up as women and realise that actually it takes two to make a baby. Okay, so it's not always the woman because we always feel like we we do we do beat ourselves up a hell of a lot. Um, But do you know what? A guy has a hell of a lot to play in it as well. So we got to the point where we were given two goes on the NHS. So for those of you who don't live in the UK, we obviously have the National Health Service. God bless the National Health. Um, and I was allowed two goes. Now, it is a postcode lottery. Now, not everybody gets two goes. Some women even get, only get one. Um, and I was really conscious of that. So for me to have two goes on the NHS, hang on a minute, <laughs> you have to bear with me because there's a catch, um, was like, holy shit, we need to take this. 
So we'd ended up going to the, uh, we'd gone to a private clinic, which I'd pushed and pushed for because you can actually get referred. Make sure that you do your research. Okay. So I actually got, went to a private clinic, which was part of the Hewitt Center. So it's not private. You can pay private to go there, but I was an NHS customer and I was allocated two goes as long as I had them both before I turned 40. Now, bearing in mind, I started trying for kids at 36 and they'd suggest that you all oh, just crack on for a year and, you know, enjoy yourself, lie back and think of England. Um, and then they want, they don't really want you in the doctors until you've kind of been sort of getting it on for a year, really. That took me to 37 and then it took me almost three years to get to this bit. So by the time I actually got my two goes on the NHS, I was... <laughs> I was 39 and a half. Holy shit. <laughs> it takes that long. Now, right now, you might be going, oh my God, Sally, I'm exactly the same. Because it does, it's it's such a stupidly fucking long process that no wonder people split up during this whole sort of um, uh, adventure, journey, whatever you want to call it. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's not for the, the weak hearted, believe me. So I got to 39 and a half. I found out I had two goes and we were just like, right, we're just going for it. Thankfully, Scott's perm came back in abundance, which was great. But a few of them were going in the wrong direction. And so they were a bit all over the place. So we were going to go for ICSI. That's what we were told we were going for ICSI. So our first round was in December 2017. December 2017. Now, this is madness because talk about chucking it all in at once. We'd decided to move house. We decided we were living in Manchester. We loved Manchester, but because I wasn't working there anymore, because I was on the radio, it was so easy because the studio was just in Salford. So it was dead easy just to get in and out of work. And Scott's work was South Manchester. But then things had changed. We'd changed. We wanted out. And so we decided to move out to Chester, which is not too far away. It's like 30 miles out of where we lived. But we decided to go a bit more rural. And I do. Oh, my God. So I've just knocked my cup of tea. Oh, it's all right. I'm fine. I was going to get really pissed off then because I was going to really enjoy that. <laughs> Don't you hate it when you spill a beverage that you were looking forward to? <laughs> it's not like I'm sat in a bar and I've just knocked my drink over. I've just spilled a bit of brew. <laughs> That's even worse, to be honest with you. <laughs> Right. You know, we decided to move out. We moved out of Manchester and uh, we decided to, it's really weird how this. Uh, so Scott found the house that we're living in now, but this is going to sound even weirder. I actually drew a picture of this house like five years prior to that as my dream home. And Scott didn't even know that. And I didn't even know that until we moved here. And I found it on a vision board that I'd had that was like in the loft. So, yeah, I'll tell you that story another time. Anyway, so we ended up in this house. But you have to start injecting because um, that's what you do when you go through IVF. You inject into your stomach. OK, that in itself is a challenge. But I just I don't know why I didn't see it as a hurdle. I just saw it as though it was a bit of a project. You give you an injection book and I just kept writing down all my injections. The first one you do is a little bit. <gasps> oh, holy shit. And it's a bit full on. But then once you kind of get into a routine, grab the fat, stick it in. You just get used to it. Oh, I was black and blue on my stomach, like really badly because I kept missing it, kept getting the wrong part. One point I shoved the needle in and I actually tried to put the mixing needle in myself instead of the injection needle. If you've ever seen a mixing needle, it's probably what they put bloody wild boar to sleep with. They're fucking huge. So yeah, I'd, uh, I'd got myself all confused. But to be honest with you, it, I had a 31 day injection cycle on the first round of IVF and that is brutal. So I'd started injecting. Wait for this. We'd moved house on the 2nd of December and you have to inject on the first day of your period. I came on the next day. 
So it was like all at once, all at once. I had to get my needles out. You get a lovely little sharp box that you have to put on the side. And so I cracked on. Now you have to mix the Merionol, which I was taking. You have like six vials of powder and then you get one vial of water. And then you've got to mix them all in together. That in itself takes time. And you've got to inject at the same time every day. So you've got to try and work this into your lifestyle. And at the time I was working in car sales. So that was full on. That's like six days a week in a sales role, which is pretty full on. Um, but I obviously made work aware that I was going to be going through IVF and, and so on and so forth. So I was getting up in the morning, injecting, getting it all sorted. And what the intention, if with the, what, well, basically what the injections do is grow your ovaries from the size of a grape to the size of a grapefruit. So they are massive because they need to get good, they need to get good ovaries. Do you know what I mean? Like big, big ovaries to get the eggs out for when they go in and harvest. I know it sounds like a farming sort of term, but it's just exactly what it is. They go in and f- harvest you. So, it's the most uncomfortable feeling ever. Your stomach bloats massively because you've got these two enormous grapefruits in your crutch. On top of that, it can make you feel constipated. It can make you constipated, to be honest with you. And then you've got to go for internal scans building up to the end of the sort of injection cycle to make sure that you're ripe enough to get eggs out of. I only had uh, one follicle. I only had one. That, and it had to be about 18 mil, I think, if I can remember rightly. Don't quote me on this because I mean, this was like four years ago for me. Um, and it was all a blur at the, the time anyway because I just had so much shit going on. Because <laughs> I've got to add this into the mix. We'd sold our other house fully furnished. So we didn't have anything. We just moved into this house now with clothes and dogs. We brought the dogs with us, obviously. Clothes and cutlery. And the rest of it we left at the other house. Beds, sofas, TVs, everything. Everything stayed in the other house. They bought the lamps, the lights, the whole lot. Um, and so we actually, <laughs> I didn't know, I've done an episode on this shitty mattress in a box, actually. Um, that's what we did. We just moved in here with a mattress that we bought in a box. Um, and then I started injecting for IVF. So God knows what the hell we were thinking. But we just wanted to get those two goes in before my 40th. Um so by, I think I was at about day 28 of the injection cycle and it was horrendous. I felt really uncomfortable. I was still working. I wasn't going to, I was just trying to remain positive. Um, and you go for an internal scan with the big plastic cock with a condom on it. Pfft, why? I don't know. Um, and they were obviously trying to push to get them bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, that's why they gave me extra drugs as well, because I think I was only due to do like a 20, I I wasn't supposed to do a 31 day cycle. They put me on an extra week to try and get them bigger. But by that time, I was just ready to burst. Anyway, then you go in for what's called your harvest. So you lie, you actually go under a general anaesthetic. It's only a short period of time that you go under. Um, but I was in this room, <laughs> I was in this room and poor Scott, I had to have a cannula in obviously because you, you know, you're going under a little bit and the, um, anaesthetist was, uh, <laughs> quite a handsome fellow. <laughs> I've told this story before. I'm sure I have. <laughs> it's so bad. Anyway, he's quite a good looking guy. <laughs> Um, and, uh, obviously I went under and came out and as I was coming out, I was going, Oh my God, he's such a good looking guy. Tell him to come around and stroke my dog. <laughs> it was fucking terrible. <laughs> but, um, uh, when I came to, I discovered that they only got one egg out of me. Now, don't get me wrong. All it takes is one egg and one sperm. That's genuinely all it was. That that's a fact. 
that's a fact. It's not like I'm making it up. It just takes one egg and one sperm and you've got it. So I was right. Okay. I'm really hopeful. I'm really hopeful. And I do, I was doing at the time, a lot of affirmations, Dr. Wayne Dyer's, the I am meditation. You can find that on YouTube. The I am, I am a mummy. I am pregnant. Louise Hay affirmations. I was doing lots of those. I read the secret. I do an awful lot on self-development anyway. So and I truly do believe in manifestation, a hundred percent believe in manifestation. Okay. So I was visualizing everything, uh, making it all going to happen. Everything's going to happen in my head and, you know, I can see it. And, um, the awful thing is, is once you've had that harvest, obviously then you wake up after the general anesthetic, you just go home. And then what happens is then with ICSI, they direct, they basically directly inject the sperm into the egg and then they have to grow it so um you have to wait then so there's more waiting so this is the fucking harsh thing about ivf right you're waiting to get appointments you're waiting to get referred you're waiting to see if you're going to get in you're waiting to see if they'll actually do it because my amh is so low um and then you have you have to go through the harvest you have to inject wait till they get the um, ovaries big enough and you sorry your follicles big enough to, to to get the eggs out then you then you've got to wait once they've taken the egg out to see if it's actually fertilized and they've got an embryo then you get a telephone call within sort of 24 hours yes it's fine okay yeah we have an embryo i'm like holy shit it's worked so that's a good one but you don't want to get too excited because is it going to survive the next few days because they have to go through all sorts of growth and I think it's called blastocyst uh, to make sure that they're going to be strong enough to put back inside of you to grow into a little baby and then I'm waiting and waiting a few days later yep okay yep no we're looking good we've got this x amount of growth and so on and so forth so I think they left it about six days and they're like right okay you need to come back in and we're going to transfer it so then when you go back in for transfer, you're again lying down. They don't do this under a general anaesthetic. You're wide awake when this happens and you've got the embryologist and obviously your doctor in the room and they come in and I mean, how on earth they know it's going in. It's insane. They put it on a TV screen for you. So they project this tiny little egg so you can see your embryo on the screen and then they pop it back in. And honestly, once they go, yep, that's it, it's in, you literally okay, can I stand up? And for some reason, even though, you know, you know, it's not going to fall out, you can't help but ask that question. Is it going to fall out? <laughs> You're like, am I okay? What can you don't want to pee? You don't want to poo in case you push it out. Honestly, it's the most strangest feeling ever. Well, what do I do? Just just relax, Sally, just go home and relax. Uh, I, I can't relax. I couldn't relax. I was like, what do, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And it was honestly the weirdest it's just so strange. So all of a sudden, what, am I pregnant now? Is this it? Am I pregnant? You have to now wait two weeks. Now, this is the shittest two weeks ever. Because this two weeks now is whether it stays or goes. Okay. And at the end of that two weeks, you either have a bleed. And obviously, you've, you, it's not happened. You've lost it. Or you, and you take a pregnancy test. And it's and it's in. It's a winner. So that two weeks is shit. There's no other word that describes it. And everybody that I speak to who's gone through IVF does exactly the same. That two week wait is the shittest two weeks ever. So obviously I waited for the two weeks. And the day that I was supposed to take the pregnancy test was on the Sunday. I woke up in the morning and I had a full bleed and it didn't work. And you, I don't even need to sort of tell you and the, sort of describe the, the horrendous feeling. I'm sure that you can gather that yourself. It's just shit. I actually went back to work the same day because that's how I deal with things. 
So um, I've got a fantastic friend who I used to work with, still an amazing friend today, Bex. And I just said to her, listen, it's not worked. I've just come on today. So and she's so good at then just kind of relaying the information because I worked in car sales. It was a very close, close knit little team that we had. And she would have literally just done the rounds. And that's what you do need. You need a good buddy like that at work. Somebody's just going to do the rounds and just say, listen, just don't talk to her about it. She's 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 fine. And that's exactly what she did. She just said, listen, she's fine. She's just getting on with it, but it's not worked. Okay. Um, and that was how I dealt with it. I just, I just cracked on with things. Don't get me wrong. In the privacy of my own home, I was devastated. I was in, I can remember crying all the way to work, crying all the way home from work. But I knew I needed to get my shit together because I had only five months to get my second round in at this point. No, hang on. Let's get this right. I had six months. I had six months left. So that was in the December. So I actually went for the harvest in the January. So this is coming up to the end of January. So it was my birthday's in the July. So I did have about five, six months to get my second go in. And that's all that I was thinking about in my head. I need to do this again. I need to do this again. You've got to go for a consultation again with the doctor. And I remember sitting with him and he was, of course, he's going to ask me if I need to speak to somebody. I was like, no, I'm fine. Are you sure? I was like, come on. Listen, you know me. I said, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> he did say to me, he said to me, I don't know whether, he said, I don't know whether you're crazy or amazing. And I said, well, how about just amazingly crazy? <laughs> he went, yes, let's say, let, let's call you that. Let's call you that. Um, and I said, listen, I am very matter of fact. I know for a fact that I've got to get the second go in sooner rather than later. So what do I need to do? And he said, well, Sally, the thing is, you've literally got a 2% chance. They took my AMH again. It hadn't got any better. My AMH is your egg count and your egg reserve. It's not getting any better. And he's like, you've got a 2% chance. So let's have a look at egg donor. So the egg donor list in the UK at the time was over a year, two years and I said, I haven't got that. I've got to get my second go in by my 40th. It's in July. And he went, oh, hang on a minute. Let me just go and check. So he went off then because obviously it all comes down to money. Went and checked with the finance department or the secretary or whatever it was. Came back and went, yeah, you're right. We need to do it by July. Do you, do you want to do it again? I went, well, yeah. And he went, are you sure? I went, listen, I'm the one that's come to you. Let's go for it. He went, I just, I just like you so much. <laughs> I went, let's do it. Come on. Now, the only, listen to this for madness, right? The only hurdle, only hurdle that we had was that Scott had been offered a really big job to go and complete somebody's house in the Ivory Coast. (laughs) So he had to go to Africa as well at the same time. Plus, we'd booked ourselves a week in the States. So Scott's parents had gone on holiday to the States, to Florida, to Naples. It's beautiful. If you've ever been to Naples, it's amazing. To celebrate their 40th wedding anniversary. We'd booked a flight the next couple of days later to go out there and surprise them. Okay. So I thought, right, okay, we're just going to have to work around it, but we'll do it. We'll just make it happen. It's fine. Now, because Scott was going to South Africa, he had to have loads of jabs and he had to, the Zika virus at the time was rife. So he had to have all of these, um, vaccines, uh, to be able to fly and took to work out on the Ivory Coast for a week or so. Um, but of course, that would have affected his sperm. So he then had to give a sample, which was frozen. Then I had to, <laughs> this is crazy when I look back now, how the hell I did this? I don't know. But, but <laughs> it's just madness. Honestly, it's madness. Right. So how, God, how the hell did it work this in the end? So we froze the sperm. I got a load of injections delivered and we flew to America in May. Okay. And then we flew in the May because it's the only time they could get us in was like a couple of months later because we had to wait for my body to kind of get another. I had to wait for my uh, for my sort of uh, periods to go regular again. And then 
on when I flew out of Manchester, oh my God, bearing in mind, I'm flying out with loads of needles and loads of little, um, uh, like vials of fluid. So I got pulled over in security. They went through absolutely everything. It was just a nightmare. It's like, look, I'm going through IVF. These are all my documentations. This is my letter from my doctor. Yeah, but we just need to check everything. They opened every little box. I'm not joking. And I just, I remember just bursting into tears and Scott was like, Sally, it's all right. It's all right. And Scott was like, is this necessary? Yeah, we just need to check everything. But it's like, oh, okay, fuck it. Just do it. Um, and then just chucked it all in a bag. It was just a nightmare. So we were out in the States, surprised his parents, and then I came on whilst I was out in America. So I started injecting whilst I was out in America. And then I thought, shit, we've got to fly back from the States with all these needles still and all these fluids. Listen to this. Got to Orlando International Airport. And Orlando's like my second home because I lived there for a, uh, for a couple of years and I, I love it. My brother lives there. I absolutely love Orlando. So I got to the security and there's this huge security guard. And I said to him, excuse me, in my bag, I have got needles, um, all sorts of fluids because I'm currently going through IVF. So I'm injecting at the moment. He went, ma'am, you don't need to worry about that. You come with me. We got a lot of ladies like you that are going through exactly the same thing you come with me ma'am honestly he was the nicest guy ever didn't even bother to go through all my fluids he literally just said no you just show me right there what you got in that bag so I opened up my bag and he was looking through it I just checked it took me through this little private security thing we went straight through the honest to god I didn't feel I felt so much more comfortable in the states than what I did in my own country and on and in fairness it was shit leaving the UK was shit but leaving the states coming back home was amazing he was so lovely and it just made me feel so much better about everything so by the time we got home I had 40 hours turnaround and I had to get Scott back to the airport to go to the Ivory Coast. I'm still injecting and this time I'm only doing a 14 day cycle. Okay, so I'm doing a 14 day injection cycle. Oh, Milo, shit. Sorry, that's bloody Milo. Just had a delivery downstairs. He's a good dog. He's a very good dog. I won't lie. Um, where was I? Yeah, 14 day injection cycle. So they were putting me on different meds and it was going to be a shorter injection cycle. And instantly, as soon as I started injecting, I felt better on these ones straight away. I don't know why I just took to them so much better than what I did on the first round. Um, so yeah, got Scott to the airport. In 48 hours of landing from the States, he was on another plane and he was on his way to the Ivory Coast. I carried on injecting. And so by the time I picked him up from the airport, no, I think his mum and dad picked him up from the airport. I was on the operating table 48 hours later. So <laughs> talk about trying to squeeze it all in. Um, but the second round of IVF, oh, I was just so much more relaxed. Like seriously, so much more relaxed. I felt better on the meds that I was injecting, whole different experience. Um, I knew exactly what to expect. When I got into the um, operating theatre, I already knew that I fancied the anaesthetist, so I didn't need to, <laughs> didn't need to flirt with him anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it, I know it sounds crazy, but it was a totally different experience. I knew what to expect. I was still being super positive and I hate that word, you know, cause sometimes that word gets thrown around. Oh, be positive. You just want to say, oh, fuck off. But in my head, I was like, do you know what? I've got this. I've totally got this. This is happening. This is, we're going to fucking nail it this time. So, um, by the time I actually came to, I remember Scott was sat there and he was like, baby, do you want a biscuit and a cup of tea? I was like, oh yeah, please have a biscuit, have a biscuit, have a biscuit. Did they get anything out of me? And I was already crying and I was going, did they get anything out of me? Did they get anything out of me? Because it's fucking horrible. And he went, I don't know yet, babe, but, um, you, um, you had a bit of an accident and you, you took a shit on the operating table. I was like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? 
oh my god, I shit my pants. And have you ever seen bridesmaids when she shits in the street? I literally was like, I was going, I shit my pants, I shit my pants, oh my god. And then Rachel, who's my nurse, came in. And she went, Sally, are you ready for this? I went, oh my God, Rachel, did I shit on the doctor? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She went, no, you don't. Fucking hell, the dogs are having a fight outside. (laughs) Sorry if you can hear that. And she said to me, shit, Sally, you didn't shit. Who told you that? And looked at Scott and literally slapped him. Went, Scott, you nasty sod. Gave him a slap and he started laughing. And I went, Did I not shit myself? She was like, No, you didn't shit yourself. And we got five eggs. I was like, Oh, <laughs> couldn't stop. I don't know whether I was crying because I thought I'd shit my pants. <laughs> I had actually got five eggs. So yeah, that was amazing. Oh my God, I left there just feeling so good, so good. Don't get me wrong, I knew that it could all go tits up, but I thought, Fuck it, five eggs. And I got told I got a 2% chance. Let's see how good they are. So three of them, I got a call in 24 hours, three of them are taken. So I had three embryos. So then it was a waiting game again. Had to wait and wait and wait. Call me again another 24 hours. One was really strong. Well, there's like a one in second place and there was a third, like a not doing great. Um, so they're always going to go with the strongest one. So by day six, again, they were ready to transfer and they were transferring two. The two strongest ones were going to get transferred and we were over the moon because we really wanted twins and we we're like yeah that's great that's fine not a problem at all absolutely we're happy with two and they showed them on the television screen again and this time I took a picture I took a picture I said do you know what I'm going to take a picture of that let me take a picture of it because I'm going to put it on my screensaver so I've got something to focus on um, and that was it took a picture and um, yeah then you've got to play the waiting game haven't you again don't want to pee <laughs> don't want to poo sort of walking around for two weeks thinking, please don't fall out, please don't fall out, just stay in there, just stay in there. And then you've got that two-week wait, which uh, you've been, I've been there before, and I'm thinking, oh, holy shit, is this going to work or not? I don't know. Da, 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 da. Two weeks later, did a pregnancy test, and I was pregnant. And do you know what? You can make me cry now. <laughs> and I remember doing the pregnancy test, and I went, oh, this thing's fucking broken. <laughs> Scott went, Sully, you're pregnant? I went, no, I'll go and do another one. Hang on. I went and did another one. And it was again pregnant. It's got this, must be a faulty pack. We need to go to Boots and get some more. These are shit. Oh my God. I did about six of the fucking things. I did six pregnancy tests because I couldn't believe it. Then I have to phone the clinic the next day and let them know. And I'd made so many good friends in this clinic. I mean, genuinely, if you are living in the northwest of England, I really do recommend the Hewitt Centre. It's part of Liverpool Women's and the team there are just wonderful. So I, uh, I had to phone them the next day and Lois, who was a girl who I'd become so close to, was just cheering down the phone at me. And I was like, I don't think it's worked, Lois. Sally, if it says you're pregnant, you're pregnant. I went, well, we'll see. But on top of that, it was my 40th in a week's time. So I'd said to her, I am, I'm going to Rome. Scott's taking me to Rome for my 40th birthday. And she said, just go. You just go to Rome. Go on, you go to Rome for your birthday. Enjoy it, Sally. Just You're in the early stages of pregnancy. Don't do anything crazy. But yeah, just go to Rome and have a wonderful time. So I did. So that was it. I was pregnant and I was going to Rome. And that is the end of part three. I am going to have to do part four. <laughs> I'm telling you, I knew I was going to have to do part four. <laughs> There's just so much more to tell you. There is just so much more to tell you. But I think you can gather, oh, do you know what? I'm not even going to say anymore. Just let me leave it like that. 
We were pregnant and we were going to Rome. Thank you so much for listening. If this is something that you're going through at the moment or you've been through, I really hope that it helps in some way. Or if you know somebody at the moment who is struggling with IVF, infertility, please share this podcast with them. It might actually be, it might be the lifeline that they really needed is so that they're not feeling so lonely. That's one thing that I felt so much when I went through IVF with Roman and all the infertility crap that we went through. I felt so alone and I didn't really talk to anybody about it. But no, Nobody wanted to talk about it at the time. That was only four years ago. In that space, more people are starting to sort of say what they've gone through or what they're going through. And actually, we're helping each other out, which is such a big deal because it's, it's not like it's something that's unusual anymore. One in three couples are going through IVF or through infertility problems. And therefore, it should be more of a conversation that you hear in every day. Give us a follow on social media if you're not already. It's at Adventures of a Geriatric Mum. You can also find me on Facebook as well. Plus, whatever platform you listen on, um, why don't you subscribe? And therefore, every time I launch a new episode, it means that you can listen to it straight away. And if you haven't already, I would appreciate a five-star rating. A five-star rating on Spotify, or if you listen on Apple, why don't you leave a review as well? But make sure that you tag your name in it as well for Instagram, and then I can always repost it in my stories. Thank you so much for taking the time to stop by today have a great week and i'll speak to you very soon thank you so much for taking a listen to my podcast find me on instagram and facebook at adventures of a geriatric mum where there's a link to the podcast that you can share with all your friends after all sharing is caring and you and i are best friends now